Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Ketubot, daf kuf, page 100. Well, we're in our final stretch of this Masachet. Uh, we've released some Siyum information, and hopefully everybody can join us. It will be Bezrat Hashem on October 30th. Please pay close attention to the times, because the way we had to schedule this, it fell out on this quirky week uh, when, like, the clocks have changed in Israel, and it's the day that the clocks change, and the clocks have not changed yet in the United States. So it's kind of the weirdest Sunday that we could have cho- chosen, but between the Chagim and how the Masachet actually ends, uh, we thought this was the best uh, Sunday to choose. Um, but I'm going to begin, actually, with uh, the Mishnah that is on the bottom of Sadi Tet of 99. Shum Adayanin Batel. So we had mentioned before on this staff, uh, on Sadi Ted, the idea of assessing the value of a piece of property and whether a person, when they sell something, can they actually make the assessment of the value? So here, this is talking about the assessment of judges, right? Can judges, the assessment of judges of a value of a piece of property, right? Where they decrease the price by one sixth of its market value, or they add one sixth to its market value, the sale is void. So in other words, if it seems that the judges assessed the value to a property and made it to less than a six or more than a six of what the market value is, we're not going to allow that assessment to stand. And therefore, any sale based on that assessment will be considered to be batel. So says, he disagrees with the Tanakama and he says, no, actually, it's a valid sale. Because then in that case, then what's the what's the power of the court? In other words, if you're going to a court to help assess your property for a sale, then rely on the power of the court. Otherwise, why else would the person be going to the court? But if they made a document of inspection, in other words, this was an announcement that people should come and inspect the field and bid on the property. Oh, Shabbat Matayim Bimana, Mikran Kayam, right? Um, and if they, and then even if they sold the property worth 100 dinars for 200 dinars, or sold a property worth 200 dinars for 100 dinars, their sale is valid. Why? Because the whole transaction was done in a very, very public way. So, in other words, if sort of it's a it's it's announced publicly right so first we have this dis you know this disagreement between the Tanakhaman and Roman Shumbangam Liel right whether or not if if Dayanim make an incorrect assessment or not a correct market value assessment is the sale okay and so the Tanakhaman says okay you have up to a six of wiggle room and Roman Shumbangam Liel says no it's you went to a court you just have to trust the court but this end part of the mission is basically telling us if it's done in a public way where anybody, people knew it was being assessed, people could come and make a bid, whether it went up double what it was valued or half of what it was valued, as long as it's done publicly, then it is considered okay. Um, even if it's done, you know, even if that's done, that process was done through the court itself. And so the Gemara then begins with a very interesting question, which is, right? A shaliach right? We're not talking about the court or a judge, but a shaliyah who makes a mistake and sells land for less than its value, who is it like? Is a shaliyah comparable to a judge, 
right? Whose sales is is effective as long as he doesn't do more than a sixth of, you know, at, you know, is within that one sixth of the market price. Or is he like the widow, right? Who, what we learned before is whose sale is going to be totally void if it's not actually at the market price. And I think that's really what the key of this Mishnah is, is that the court has a lot more leeway than what a widow has. And so therefore the Gemara's question is, where does the Shaliach fall out in all of this? And so the Gemara is going to start with Rava, uh, says the name Rav Nachman, Shaliach Kedayanim, right? Rav Shmuel Bar Bisna Amar Rav Nachman Ka'almana. And then the Gemara is going to go through and basically explain these two different opinions, why one would say Dayanim, why one would say um, Almana, and then eventually they quote a Gemara in, in Truma to try to work out this case also. But the key point here is, is that, you know, to see that whenever a sale goes through, right, we need to make sure that it's sold for a fair price. What, how is that process? And essentially what we're seeing here is like the same way we have property inspectors today, right, who come um, and, you know, look, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, assess a property and its value before you do a sale. Like if you go to sale, sell a house, lease in America, right? So you always have somebody come and they sort of have to inspect the house and assess the house. There's an assessor who comes um, to make sure that the sale, the, the, the sale that was the price that the sale was agreed upon is within the bounds of something normal, essentially, or what the market value actually is. So we're just seeing what that is in the times of the Gemara. And in the times of the Gemara, that was basically done either by a judge or in some type of public way uh, where this was declared. Um, and depending on who actually did it, right, the widow was its own separate case. Um, you know, you either had some wiggle room or you didn't have any wiggle room. And then the, the, the case that the Gemara needs to really spend time on is the case of the Shaliyah. So I just want to note, um, and we'll talk about, we'll do a proper who's who on Rav Nachman a different time, but I just want to note that Rav Nachman here is really the big head and shoulders, uh, big guns rabbi on issues of inheritance and property law in this kind of way. His name comes up throughout these kinds of topics, um, both as you see here, you're doing what you've just talked about, and then a little bit further down on the daf, uh, there's a whole discussion about Rav Nachman said that Shmuel said, and remember that Shmuel was also known for his expertise in property law as compared to Rav, right? They, Shmuel and Rav often disagree where Rav was an expert in Isr Veheter and Shmuel was, is an, was an expert in issues of property. So this is like a, like a, a, a topical, a topical expertise, I guess, right? Like this is, that doesn't mean they didn't know the other stuff, but this is really where they were considered the authorities. So, that case where Rav Nachman's brought later is a case where there's the, there are orphans and they come to divide the father's property and the court appoints an apotropos, a, a, a guardian, not a guardian, a, somebody who's going to oversee the property and the property division for them, you know, over the course of the, while they're dividing the property, while the estate is, is being handled, right? And then the question is, you know, what happens once the orphans um, reach the age of majority and then can they, can they come back and can they protest that division of property? And all of this seems to be, you know, the Rav Nachman position seems to be in contrast to the view of the Mishnah. And the Gemara here says, like, no, don't worry. The Mishnah is talking about a case where that assessment, your name the assessment that you're talking about, was in error. The judges made a mistake. As compared to the case of Rav Nachman, 
meaning that that case is not here, right? It's just mentioned here as a classic example of of um, the yatoma, the where the orphans want to or need to divide the property from the inheritance. And in that case, it's not a matter of an error, right? It's a matter of um, simply, you know, a division of property that then somebody might protest because they because they don't like the way it was divided. That's not the same thing as judges being an error. The Gemara goes on to bring a whole lot of different opinions, you know, different names, you know, rabbis who had similar cases and where they poskined, um, you know, like the case of the Mishnah or like the case of Rav Nachman. And, and it goes, you know, throughout, you know, are they, Rabbi Huda Nasi wanted to act like the people of the of the Mishnah. Well, that should not be surprising. He's the one who codified the Mishnah, right? We end up with all these different, um, it feels very much to me like, real live cases of this kind of law. And then the Gemara wants to know, you know, how do we evaluate who's right or who's wrong? And in the end, the Gemara says, everybody agrees that if you made a mistake in the kind of issue that appears in that Mishnah, then you're going to go back on that decision of of how the allotment was was allocated, right? But if you don't, but, you know, so basically... All of these different individuals who are paskining similar similar issues of inheritance, they're not really following the Mishnah because if they were, the Mishnah is talking about a case of, of making a mistake. Um, anyway, I, I recommend reading it inside for the sake of just seeing how how alive it comes, I think, with all the different names and the different kinds of cases. One, uh, Rav Dimi came from Eretz Israel. He had an example there. Rav Elizabeth Ben Parata was the grandson of Parata um, Hagadol. Right. Uh, so like we this is what I mean, that they come to life because these are real life people who had to give other people, you know, actual decisions over matters of inheritance. Um, I want to also just note I'm going to move my way to the mission that's at the bottom of the daf, But along the way, I want to note that the Gemara also makes a big distinction between when inheritance comes in the form of land and when inheritance comes in the form of proper of movable property, metalkaline. Because the moment you have movable property, the idea is, as a general principle, that you want to give the the yorshim, you want to give the heirs that property really as soon as possible, because metallically the value of them can change, and that could be. And the example for is is wine, right? That you can have a wine that is, you know, worth a great deal, and then if you kind of don't handle it right. Let's say you leave it the bottles of wine out in the sun for too long, you're going to end up with vinegar. That's no longer worth what it once was, and then the inheritance would be completely different. I'm not saying all of those details are in the Gemara. It's really just a case of wine and the fact that the value can change. Okay, let's get to the mission at the bottom of the daf. These next few dafim keep having Mishnah, or the previous daf, the coming daf, have Mishnah at the end of the daf, and then we have to kind of remember what happened when we come to the Gemara tomorrow. Here we go. You'll recall that we talked a long time ago about different categories of people, women, who were not entitled to get their ketubah. So in this case, we've got, um, it says here, right, the secondary forbidden relative. What does this mean? It, it, we're, we're talking about somebody who refuses to continue living with a husband who is, in fact, a secondary or been a, a secondary forbidden rel- relative. That means it's a drabana, and it's not a doraita situation. Namely, the orphan, a girl, right, who's married off by her mother or by her brother. She's a minor. And at some point, she's allowed to say, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm refusing to live with this man. And therefore, it annuls the marriage. 
So in the case when that happens, or in the case of the Ilonite, well, remember the Ilonite is the woman who doesn't have the um, sexual um, signs, right, of adulthood. They don't get the ketubah. These women are not entitled to any of these kinds of marriage um, benefits. It's as if the wedding never happened, right? The one who refuses or the one who is never eligible for marriage to begin with. But if the man, if the husband knew that he was marrying somebody who had the status of the Ilonit, then her marriage is a marriage and she's entitled to all the all these kinds of benefits. What about these the situations where the marriage itself was prohibited, but in the case that they actually got married, the marriage takes effect? Namely, a widow marries a Kohen Gadol, or a divorcee, or a Chalutza. Um, the Chalutza is just a Chalutza, right? I don't have an English translation for that. Somebody who's undergone, who's, who's done Chalitza instead of Yibum. Right, but it has the status of like a divorced person, basically. That's right, thank you. So they, if they marry Kohen Hedjot, just a regular Kohen, which is, again, a prohibited relationship, Mamzeret or Israel, somebody who marries into Kohen Israel who's not supposed to, like a Mamzeret, but Israel and Atina Mamzeret, or vice versa, uh, a Jewish woman to a man who's a Mamzer. In all of these cases, the wedding is a, the marriage is a marriage. It was prohibited, but it takes effect. And in fact, all of the benefits, like the payment of a ketubah, um, will kick in in the event of divorce or death of death or divorce. So I feel like this Mishnah kind of is reminiscent to me of, you know, long ago, going back to Yavamo, but just long ago, we talked about all these different cases and it's, so I'm not clear on why we're talking about it again. Yeah, I mean, this did this Mishnah remind you of Yavamo's? <laughs> <laughs> not only that, I'm going to give a preview to tomorrow's daf. Where they say, why are we talking about this? We already learned all of this in Yavamos. Right. It's it's a little bit odd that this Mishnah, uh, you know, sort of, uh, right. We Exactly. We had this Mishnah before. I'm not completely clear what it's doing here, but I guess we'll look at that mystery tomorrow. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.